Welcome to the Stillhouse podcast, the show where we celebrate all things dark spirits. Whiskey, rum and cognac are sometimes misunderstood as drinks that can only be enjoyed by certain people on certain occasions, but this couldn't be further from the truth. So in this podcast, I'm delighted to meet some of the greatest minds in the world of spirits and cocktails to celebrate the magic of whiskey, rum and cognac. It doesn't matter if you're a complete beginner or a connoisseur. If you're interested in dark spirits, this show is for you. This is The Stillhouse Podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Have you ever been told you can't add ice or water to your whiskey, that you can't mix a single malt or you must drink a dark spirit neat? Perhaps you've heard cognac is only for sipping from a warmed balloon glass after dinner, sat in a leather armchair beside a roaring fire. Perhaps you've also heard that there are some assumptions about what dark spirits are and how we should drink them and even who should drink them. But just like gin and vodka, dark spirits are made to be enjoyed. So why wouldn't you drink them in a way that suits you on your own terms? In this episode of the Stillhouse podcast, we're going to talk about how you can break the rules and have the confidence to enjoy your whiskey, rum or cognac your way. Before we get started, let me introduce my two wonderful guests for this week. David Mars is Senior Whiskey Ambassador at Edrington UK. He's been a hugely respected and passionate educator for bartenders and drinks lovers for many years and is one of my favourite go-to sources of knowledge about whiskey. I'm also joined by Anna Sebastian, world-famous bar consultant and founder of Celebrate Her, a non-profit organisation aimed at elevating female talent in hospitality. In this episode, we unlock the wonderful ways you can enjoy dark spirits and hopefully we can empower you to enjoy them even more. Ultimately, the pleasure of whiskey, rum and cognac is in finding the spirit and the serve that suits you. So we examine how you can have the confidence to choose your drink on your terms. Whether that's neat in a tasting glass or in a tropical cocktail with a bright umbrella, this episode is all about making your own rules. But before all that, let's get to know our guests a bit better in their own words. Hi, I'm David Miles. I work for Edrington UK. So I work for one of the big um, spirits companies. I have the laughable job title, but I like it, of a senior whiskies ambassador. So yeah, I'm all about trying to educate, inform, enthuse about spirits, how to drink them well, how to enjoy them. What a fun job. And Anna Sebastian. I work in the hospitality industry, worked in some amazing hotels like the Langham and the Savoy, um, looking after the beverage programs. And I now have my own consultancy company. So I kind of go into places and look at the creative concepts, menu development, hiring, and obviously working with some great spirits that we are going to be talking about today. I also have a platform called Celebrate Her, which supports and promotes women within the hospitality industry amazing platform. Thank you both for joining us today. We are obviously here to talk about the wonderful world of dark spirits, but sadly, it's not a category for everybody. Not everyone feels confident maybe trying a whiskey or a cognac or maybe even a rum for the first time. Why do you think that is? Why do you think some people aren't so keen to give it a go? I think it's a combination of things. I think it can be quite an intimidating category. It's not an introductory sort of category. Like when you start having your first drink, when you know, when you're 18 and stuff, it's not one of the first drinks that you have. I think that's one side of thing. I think there's that lack of knowledge as well that people don't understand what it is. And it is changing. But the perception of this drink was that it was drunk in gentlemen's clubs 
on Pall Mall in London and it was drunk on the rocks or neat and then that was it. And I think that perception kind of does put people off, both men and women. You know, it's not just about, you know, women being put off by that. So I think it is a combination of things that I don't well, know if you've, you've seen. Absolutely. And the word you just used there, you know, it's the perception. There's an assumption made yeah. about brown spirits that isn't made about a lot of other spirits or categories here. So, you know, some of the assumptions that about how you can drink it, how you should drink it, what you need to know before you're yeah. allowed to drink it. Or, yeah. And you know, we don't apply these requirements, these rules to other categories and no. drinks, but for some reason it's there with whiskey. I think that's true. And I think also it's such a vast category as well. People go vodka and, okay, yes, okay, if we get down into the like very nitty gritties of it, which most people don't, but they look at vodka, go, it's vodka. Whereas you look at, say, for example, whiskey, and you're like, there's so many different types, so many different flavour profiles. And it is almost like wine. You know, you think everyone gets a bit intimidated when you don't know that much about wine, like going in and ordering a glass. It's like, where do you start? It's the same with whiskey. Yeah, absolutely. And that fear that you're going to be laughed at because yeah. you're going to do it wrong. I'm going to order the wrong whiskey, so therefore I won't order a whiskey yeah. at all. And the other, I think the other side of this maybe is having is having the confidence to admit that you don't know yeah. everything and be able to ask a friend, a bartender, Becky Paskin. Yeah. Like especially this day and age, I sound really old when I say this, people don't want to look stupid. Like if you say, for example, you're on a date in a bar, it's much easier to be like, oh, I'll have a gin and tonic. I'll be oh, this bottle there. Where if somebody goes, oh, I'll have a whiskey and soda. They're like, what whiskey would you like? And it's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think also that's touched on something else straight away there, yeah. that the, the perception is that you say gin and you immediately go Antonic. You yeah. Know, you've got that there. Whereas you say whiskey, where do I go from here? How would you like it? Yeah. Cocktails are such a great way to enjoy whiskey as well. But people don't necessarily realise that there's so many drinks that you can have that are really delicious, that aren't like very high in ABV, but, you know, slightly lower, slightly more accessible. And it's just about being able to like play around with that. Advertising obviously is responsible for a lot of the perception of whiskey. And I think over the years that has changed and it's so positive to see being much more inclusive, make it much more accessible and kind of say to people, actually, drink it however you want, you know, responsibly, but however you want. Yeah. So I think it's this, you're right, it's this idea of uh, this fear of being laughed at or seem yeah. to not really know what you're doing when you're mm. ordering a drink. And it can be much easier to just fall back on your comforts. You know what a gin and tonic tastes like. You know that gin comes with tonic you know that you like white wine or red wine and generally <laughs> yeah. if it's okay and if you don't particularly like the drink you will still finish it and then you'll try something else yeah but with whiskey a maybe there's a price barrier people yeah. think i'm not going to spend that much money on, on on whiskey where i don't know if i'll like it or not b i don't know if i'm going to be laughed at for not actually knowing what brands they are yeah but also there's this idea of whiskey being too strong it's too strong for me it's too alcoholic there's way too much alcohol in yeah but the reality is it's the same amount of alcohol in a 40% ABV whiskey it's there is yeah. in a 40% ABV gin or a vodka yeah. it's it's a standard one across the line yeah why do you think that people have this perception of whiskey being too strong even if it's in a mixed drink because I think a lot of that perception comes from the idea that you have to drink it neat so there's that assumption that it's going to be neat therefore it is going to be strong and I think everything that we're building towards yeah. here is about you know, finding a way to drink your whiskey that is enjoyable for you. So, you know, 
in the yeah. wonder, wonderful words of Fred No, Fred No is the great grandson of Jim Beam. So this is a man who knows a thing or two about whiskey. Yeah. He's constantly asked, you know, how should I drink my bourbon? You know, I don't want to offend you, Fred. How should I drink bourbon? And his constant reply is, drink your whiskey any damn way you want to drink <laughs> your whiskey. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's strange because even speaking to some of my friends who aren't in the drinks industry and they're really gin and tonic drinkers, I'll say to them, well, why don't you drink whiskey? And they're like, oh, do you know what? I don't like it. It's too strong for me. I'm like, okay, but would you have, you know, whiskey and Coke? No, 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 no. It's it's too strong. I won't go near it. But I'll ask them, would you have a rum and Coke? They're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. So well, well, what's the difference? It's exactly the same. Or would, would you have a vodka and Coke? It's exactly the yeah. same. But there's a perception that whiskey somehow, regardless of the way that you drink it, is too overpowering. Also, there's a, like these two definitions of strong or strength here mm. which is to do with the alcohol but it's also to yeah. do with the flavor of it that it, yeah. you can have you know, a really big smoky peaty whiskey yeah. and maybe that's slightly intimidating and again if you're not quite sure what you're going to get because you're just looking at a row of bottles and think oh, i'll have that <laughs> one so the strength of flavor can be a barrier as yeah. well as the strength of the alcohol in it and it might just be that that flavor isn't for you just like with anything, any fruits, any vegetables, any food, it's just not the flavour for you. So it's about trying to find out, like, well, what do I like? And a lot of it is, you know, trial and error. It's just about finding something that you like and then finding it in a way that you like want to drink it. And which is why I think cocktail bars play such a pivotal role in this and education of the people working in there to go. You know, my first question to people always used to be, tell me what flavours you like. And it would be that I, then I would build a drink around that or explain a drink saying, you should try this. But if you want to try something different, then try it this way. And, you know, by just giving people little samples, it'd be like, tell me what you think of this. Is this what you like? So I think that's so important when, and people should feel comfortable, especially when they're going to a bar where the drinks are probably a little bit more expensive than you, maybe your local pub. Asking those questions, they're going, look, I don't know much about this because these people have been trained for years. And actually it's our job. We love going to people, try this. And it's so cool when somebody goes, I would never have tried that. And, you know, like you said, with our friends, you make them drinks. They're like, wow, I'm, I, I would never have had this. I'm going to try this. And it, it's so cool. So I think just for consumers, like, just ask those questions because most bars are able to say, try this and try that. And it's really cool when you find something new. I quite often come up with that, this idea of, the, you know, there's no such thing as somebody who doesn't like whiskey. You just haven't found the yeah. right whiskey for you yet. But... Probably more importantly, you haven't found the right way to drink whiskey. And this is yeah. where, you know, a good bartender, where someone like Anna actually listens to some of the things you do like, what flavours do appeal yeah. to you, and can then work with that and create a drink that is a whiskey-based drink yeah. that you're going to go, wow, that tastes great. And rum as well. I think rum maybe has a bit more kind of more party connotations and it's associated with being on the beach and the pina coladas. So I think that's a little bit more approachable. Whereas whiskey, if you look at like how whiskey's been advertised over the years, you know, with somebody sitting there in like a hat, top hat and you know, with a woman as an accessory <laughs> and a whiskey glass. I mean, it wasn't until the last maybe 10 years that we've seen a shift and a movement of much more inclusive advertising where people are like, Yes, it's okay for a woman to be able to drink whiskey and for that to be acceptable. Because... Oh well, it was it was advertised as being too strong for women. Yeah, and, you know there was there was whiskey advertising that really pushed the idea that a particular brand was 
soft enough that even a woman would like it. And it's ludicrous <laughs> now that we would we would think about that. Yeah. But historic advertising was aimed at men yeah. and only featured men. And if women were featured, it was as an accessory. We're now only just starting to get past that yeah. to really show that, that whiskey can be enjoyed by anybody. But it is one yeah. of those preconceptions, I think, which is creating a barrier to a lot of people maybe trying the spirit for the first time. Actually brilliant thing about whiskey is that it will encourage the conversation because if you walk into a bar and you can ask the yeah. bartender yeah completely and then the bartender can you know, help build something that's going to work for you but they're gonna to have to ask you questions so you've got a whole conversation going on here this is going to help break down these barriers and open things up the other side and you know, to go back to the bad old days and there's still those little echoes of them around now you know, a woman has got to be respected and comfortable in a bar being able to order a whiskey you know anything else is ridiculous but also I'm sure there is still a certain prejudice occasionally like a man <laughs> yeah. would not want to ask a female bartender no the the, the number of my favorite whiskey bars that I go into and it's predominantly women behind the yeah. bar the the people who I really admire and respect in the industry I mean David aside are are women <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that perception has had a knock-on influence amongst maybe all those women out there who have maybe not even thought about whiskey or it's been, kind of been on their radar or maybe their partner has been a whiskey fan or yeah. their dad has been a whiskey fan or their mum even has been a whiskey yeah. fan but they've just never really considered it themselves and it's it's that kind of voice in the back of their head which says oh this has always been a man's drink which is crazy talking about how it, it relates to other drinks no other drink is marketed as being no. for a particular gender yeah. but whiskey has this hangover which I think maybe well, is a barrier to, to getting just, into it it's just annoying it's annoying when I've gone, I'll get a whiskey soda. They're like, do you like whiskey? And I'm like, <laughs> are you really asking me this? It's just, but now it got to a point where I was kind of just doing it deliberately to be, to like prove a point. And I was like, I'm rather having gin and tonic today, but I'm going to prove a point <laughs> and do this because it's just really annoying that that question still has to be asked. And I sit in menu tastings all the time and people go, this is a girly drink. And since when do drinks have genders? And yes, you know, some drinks, can we look at the statistics, maybe... You, know, you put a drink on, say you put a drink on Instagram, right? Maybe more men like it or maybe more women like it or whatever. You look at the insights and stuff and maybe there is like a high percentage or maybe a high percentage of women or men will drink that drink. But it doesn't mean that it's just for... Well, yeah. well in interestingly enough, so I, I'm, I run uh, Our Whiskey, which is a whiskey subscription club. And we're open to men and women. Anybody can yeah. subscribe and become a member. And we send out whiskey uh, through the post to people. A, it's a really great way to try whiskey. If you're not too sure of the different styles, you get to learn about it uh, in a really easygoing way at your own pace. But the branding is kind of done in a way that maybe skews a little bit more on the feminine side, but it's not aimed at women. Yeah, Our membership base is 65% female as a result of that but also maybe because I'm I'm leading the tastings having a female leader is also helping to encourage more yeah. women into that particular club I think the more women that we have talking about whiskey showcasing whiskey serving whiskey the yeah. more we're encouraging another generation through as well yeah and not just women but also maybe a younger generation yeah too because it's often seen as being a, an older person's drink. And that's why, like, inclusivity, I think that's why the, the power of advertising, having people like you guys in the industry as well that represent many different people, and giving those people a chance, and they feel that they have a place, they're part of something as well. 
you know, when we look at the bigger picture, it is amazing what hospitality and drinks can do for people. Like it, it bonds people together. You create these special moments with people. They're celebratory. Okay, they might be sad at times and stuff like that. But people, you know, I'll look back. I can see a bottle of Macallan there. That was the first whiskey that I tried years before I even worked at the Artesian. I think it was the Macallan 18. And I was just like, I will literally remember that night forever because you know it wasn't because I went in going I'm going to try Macallan it was because it was just like such a fun night but Macallan 18 was a part of that and I was like wow that's so cool and I think those memories that you can create it should be for everybody as the old white man in the room here you know, I'm sort <laughs> Less of the... the old David come on <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm the perception of the whiskey drinker but what a boring, boring world for me if everyone who drinks whiskey is like me. I don't want to be in that world. God, I don't want to be in a world full of me. No, thank you. Um, so let's, you know, making the world of whiskey as welcoming, as inclusive as possible yeah. um, can only be actually a really good thing for everybody yeah. involved in it. I love this from David. We should be sharing our passion and welcoming everyone into the world of dark spirits, both in front of and behind the bar. This is just a quick reminder, you're listening to the Still House podcast, made in partnership with Edrington UK and me, Becky Paskin. Coming up on the show, we discuss some existing whiskey myths and talk about why whiskey is so much more than just the liquid in the glass. But first, let's explore how we can get the most out of dark spirits. This whole episode is about having the confidence to enjoy whiskey and other yeah. dark spirits on your own terms. Yeah. It's making your own rules around how you drink it, how you enjoy it. But I think before we even get to that point, we also need to discuss how people can maybe have the confidence to dip their toe into the category yeah. for the very first time because it can be intimidating as we mentioned at the very beginning. It's it's shrouded in rules, which we know to not be true and we're going to myth bust some of these rules in a minute but do you think that perhaps if people had a little bit more information a bit more knowledge about whiskey they'd feel more empowered to try it more confident to try it I mean, you know, information is power so yes um because you're going to feel that little more confident if you know a little yeah. more about it so that is part of you know, what hopefully we can do to you know to welcome people into the whiskey drinking world here. Research shows that around three quarters of people would be more inclined to uh, venture into dark spirits if they had more information about it. So okay, wow. how do we get that information into their hands, a, yeah. a, you know, beyond the bar? So how else can people get their hands on information? What what role does maybe social media play here? Oh, and you're huge. <laughs> social media's got a huge, you know, hashtag whiskey and see what comes up. Absolutely. Then, you know, you've got things like, say, some sort of subscription clubs where you yeah. can, you know, you don't have to commit to buying a bottle of whiskey and yeah. have two sips of it and realise you don't like it. You know, you can have range of different flavours in, you know, in a manageable amount. And actually, you know, if you've got three or four different whiskies that you're trying once a month, you know, if you don't like two of them, so what? You've tried them now. Um, but you found two maybe you do like no, it's online clubs if you like and you know, if, you know I guess one of the f few good things to come out of COVID and lockdown was the ability to join an online like community, tasting and, yeah. community yeah like like our whiskey yeah. for instance 
you know, exactly. I'm going to plug it. Of yeah, course. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to think of one I could name. <laughs> I think one of the, the the great things about particularly you know online whiskey clubs and a lot of the influencers, different accounts on social media, the better ones really focus on education really talk about where whiskey gets its flavor there are so many accounts out there which really do break down whiskey education of course there's lots of online publications to go and follow as well but it can be overwhelming there is so much information yeah. so where do you start again so really old this day and age <laughs> like social media is your go-to sort of thing especially you look at something like tiktok tiktok it's a game changer in terms of the traction that you can get it's bite-sized like people and i'm the same you no one has that attention span to watch a youtube video for like seven minutes but this is broken down into like 20 second information it's fun it's on trend it's relatable you're like this person could be me i could be this person and you it's about building up that online community in like small bits of information because the way people communicate are very different you know you look at you know, your Gen Zs, your Gen Zs are so different from your millennials and how we digest bits of information. So it's about adapting, changing with the times. 10 years ago, a magazine was like that go-to for information. And now it's, it's changed and brands and supermarkets, and everybody has to change, for, you know, and try these new things to communicate to people as well. And I think when you're seeing, you know, these things, like you do some great stuff on TikTok. And I think it's about like, that's really cool. Like, let's save that for later. Let's share that with a friend. And you, I mean, look, look how things going viral, you know, the impact is, is huge as and, well. And then the, uh, the, the other great advantage of it, like, you know, the 20 second, yeah. 60 second max soundbite is you can look at a lot of different people saying different things yeah. about whiskey and think, oh, you know what, I, just, I really like the way that that was communicated yeah. or she said that. So I'll follow that down yeah. that way. But even TikTok, it's interesting when I started yeah. making videos for content for TikTok, even I was going around distilleries and saying to people oh do you mind if I just film this I'm going to make a TikTok and the looks I would get oh really like making yeah. videos on TikTok was so, like something for uh, underage people who should maybe not be thinking about alcohol yeah. the reality is uh, a lot of adults actually use it as a majority of adults that yeah. use TikTok so it's a really interesting platform to learn about whiskey about all spirits really but also cocktails yeah how to how to use different spirits in a variety of yeah. different cocktails and and actually that's one of my favorite parts of the platform is is all the different content creators you've got some of the world's best bartenders on there yeah. making amazing drinks with dark spirits which brings us back to you know enjoy your whiskey on your own terms mm. you know find a way to drink that you enjoy whether that's through a, a traditional whiskey club because there is no, there is nothing wrong with an in-person whiskey Absolutely club not. brilliant place to find out about whiskey whether it's it's going to a bar and asking the bartender for recommendations yeah. having being part of an online whiskey subscription club where you get the whiskeys at home or even just searching for it yeah. learning about it through social media yeah. we spoke earlier about whiskey rules yeah. and how many there are surrounding this beautiful spirit, which maybe are providing barriers to people maybe deciding they want to try it for the first time. But which of those whiskey rules would you say are the most ridiculous whiskey myths? The idea you can't add anything to whiskey. That, oh yeah, that it ruins the whiskey. The, yeah, the in terms of you, in like mixers. Yes, or, or you know, the only thing you can add to your malt whiskey is more malt whiskey. Now, there's something <laughs> I you know, we probably heard somebody say. <sighs> ridiculous yeah if you want a good tasting tall refreshing drink if you want it to be a great tasting drink use great ingredients like what what would you recommend so it's a beautiful warm summer's day and i want a refreshing tasty drink i would take a tall glass i would fill it with ice i would add a responsible measure of a 
single malt whiskey, something like, I'm looking down there, so I'm going to say the Glenrothes because it's right in my <laughs> eye line there. Other Good brands choice. are available, of course. <laughs> and I would then crack open a fresh new bottle of a good quality ginger ale, add that, give it a little stir, probably with a little orange twist or a slice yes. of orange on top. I've got a great tasting, refreshing yeah. drink. I've made it with single malt whiskey. Go on, tell me I can't. <laughs> I love that. I I think that's great. And I think th there shouldn't be any rules. I don't think, like you said, you know, it was either, even if you were to put a bit of water in it, they'd be like, no, you can't, can't do that. Can't add but, water, can't add ice. Yeah. But that's also a great way to then, it opens up the flavours, you know? So if that's what you like, then do it that way. Look, if you like, say, a whiskey or rum and Coke, do it that way. It shouldn't be this stigma, like, oh, I can't do this because, you know. But if that's genuinely what you like, then make it. But also there's so many resources now, like with cocktails and everything. It doesn't just have to be high ABV, stirred down and served over ice or like a Manhattan. Those drinks are all amazing, but they have their place. You don't always have to do it that way. You can do some beautiful, long, refreshing. Look, you could put whiskey into a pina colada if you want to. Like, just like you could take something like with all those connotations of being a holiday on a beach with a whiskey or a combination of two different whiskeys, if you want a little bit of smoking or whatever, and create like a really, really beautiful drink. So a lot of it, and a lot of these cocktails you can make in your NutriBullet at home. Like I pretty much use mine exclusively. It's meant to be for smoothies, but I use it for this. <laughs> and and it's just like, take your favourite cocktail, swap out maybe if it's with a white spirit, put a dark spirit in and see what it's like. And I think this is how you get great drinks. You try something different. You're like, oh, wow, this is, this is really, really cool. You have to forget the rules. The rules don't exist. There are no rules. There are no, the rules are, there are no rules. Yeah. One of the other ridiculous ones I get a lot is the type of glassware oh, yeah, that, yeah. that you should use. You should only ever drink it out of Glen Cairn, which is a great glass. I, I, I love it, but it's not necessarily my glass of choice all the time. Yeah. I love a tumbler, a heavy bottom tumbler. tumbler. Yeah. Who's been camping before and the only glassware or cups that you have are those little tin camping yeah, cups. That's brilliant. Oh, and... You wouldn't be afraid to drink wine out of a tin camping cup. I love drinking yeah. whiskey out of one of those. Yeah. Drinking oh, whiskey from a hip flask is you know, yeah. in the right place, right time. Yeah. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Like, drink it it's, you know, on a beach if you want. I was, I was going to say, is there a time and place to drink whiskey? Or can you responsibly, obviously, but anywhere? <laughs> it's whenever you feel like it. You know, I think a lot of people would only drink it, you know, late night, like after a dinner, like by a fireplace, all of this. I'm like, okay, yeah. but you know, most places, especially in London, don't have fireplaces. But it's just like really like wherever you kind of feel like you want to drink something, you know, nice rooftop bar, like your drink earlier with ginger ale, like fabulous, have it up there. You know, really any time in any place, like you said, responsibly. Uh, what advice would you have for someone who's maybe starting their whiskey journey? They're not quite sure where to start. They are still a little bit intimidated. They've listened to this whole podcast so far <laughs> and they're, they, they're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm almost over the line, but yeah. I'm not quite there. What advice? would you have for them you know, i'd tell them to listen to the words of becky paskin and <laughs> you know just take that step you know you've got to take the first step find that drink with that brilliant yeah. mixer ask somebody else um don't be intimidated people you know, 95 percent of bartenders are going to be delighted they're going to want to help they're going to want you to have a great experience they're going to want you to look back on this particular moment the way that Anna looks back on her first ever Macallan 18 yeah she's never forgotten it the bar tender can create that moment for you maybe all you needed to do was just ask for a recommendation tell him what you do like in yeah. terms of the flavor 
yeah. and break it down. What's what's your favorite kind of dessert? What kind of flavors do you enjoy? What's your favorite uh, flavor fruit pastel? Yeah, I think it's always a good one. Yeah, yeah, like, love that. Yeah. I think, yeah, just don't overcomplicate it. Like, don't put that pressure on yourself and start with something simple. You know, I wouldn't say go off and go to a whiskey shop and buy an expensive bottle because you might not like it. But you know, sign up maybe to our whiskey. Get, try a lot of different things go to a great bar you know invest in it's kind of like an investment you're investing into finding out what you like or what you don't like mm. by going to a good bar getting some great recommendations but also have fun with it mm. you're not going to like everything mm. keep trying something else and then you know you'll find like your signature drink that you're like this is like a bit of me I'm gonna I want to drink this but yeah and have fun at home as well like you're drinking at home is great it's amazing get your friends over and try lots of different things yeah everybody brings a bottle everyone and you get to try lots of different things everybody's invested and you you share it one other piece of advice which we haven't covered yet is also the value of going on a distillery tour because these are amazing opportunities to learn uh not just about whiskey through tasting the different styles but also learning about how the whiskey is made which I think gives a level of appreciation you wouldn't necessarily get from sitting at a bar would you recommend that oh, oh absolutely yeah. yeah yeah the under you know and it's that idea of understanding you know, with your, you know the light bulb moment of, this is how that yeah. wonderful whiskey in that bottle started as that but it went yeah. through all of this to create you know wow and over many years as well uh, yeah and um, even just see how big the barrels are the first time I saw barrels I was like oh my god this is huge like this is so heavy <laughs> yeah. like but I also think there is something quite romantic about so let's talk about Scotland I mean beautiful part of the world there is something quite romantic being in like the middle of nowhere and going to whiskey distillery I kind of visiting it in its element in its home and you can romanticize it as much as you want that's completely fine I literally could be the main character in your own movie visiting like a whiskey distillery like that's great and meeting the people behind it is super inspiring and you know you've got this new generational wave of like whiskey like master distillers and I mean it's just so it's just incredible just to see that and uh, yeah I can't believe we haven't spoken about it but if you have that and also whiskey distilleries are so welcming to people anyone you can be anyone and go I'd like to go and book it and visit it and take a piece of like tasting whiskey where it was made yeah absolutely and and you're you're being the romantic here and so (laughs) so i'll be on the slightly more practical side one of the joys of whiskey at the moment is that there are so many distilleries popping up and appearing you know all over the country, all over the world, yeah. in places you never would have seen them. Pre- you know, the number of English whiskey distilleries now, yeah. you know, in Wales, in Sweden, in Liechtenstein, I'm guessing. Um, <laughs> so beautiful and yeah. fun and romantic as it is to go to that distillery <laughs> tucked away in the glens of Scotland, you know, with yeah. a golden eagle circling in the sky mm. up above. You can also find <laughs> really a distillery a not picture. too far away from you these days. I tell you, one of, one of the best things for me uh, about visiting a distillery is tasting the whiskey on site, especially if you're in a warehouse. Now, yeah. I know you can do it on special tours in Bowmore's number one vaults. It's an experience I would recommend to everybody. And after you've had that experience tasting it on site, which in itself is magical, it's it's such a beautiful experience. But every time you then taste that whiskey going forward for the rest of your life, you will be transported back to yeah. that moment. It's like a time capsule in every bottle. You're transported back to that moment in that warehouse. I mean, I was very lucky enough to be at Beaumont tasting during Faisal uh, one year, which is the, the Isla Festival. And it was a tasting of 1960s but more oh, wow. and ever since then every bottle of more I've tasted I've been transported back to yeah. that moment it's magic yeah I think it's like we said it's creating those moments where 
you know, that boss will always have memories for you. And I think that's what life's about. It's about creating those moments. It's about finding those things that make you happy. Yeah, absolutely. And also what we're getting onto now, it feels like, you know, is that what whiskey can do is it's more than just the flavour of the whiskey in your glass. Yeah. It's about the place. It's about the people who've made it. It's about the history, the heritage, the culture that it's yeah. come from. And whiskey can now start playing a part in your life of opening you up to all of these other influences there. And if you are lucky enough to be able to visit a distillery, you know, just look around in the distillery, but outside yeah. the distillery, because the whiskey should carry a sense of place of history yeah. and here's the romance coming straight back into yeah. it see i'm a romantic as well deep <laughs> down i don't believe that <laughs> um, and whiskey is more than just whiskey yeah it's more than just what's in your glass yeah yeah on that note on the subject of glassware and on the subject of enjoying it and having this wonderful moment we like to end this podcast with a bit of a question around what your favorite drinks are so in the spirit of enjoying whiskey on your own terms pun intended there <laughs> enjoying whiskey on your own terms what is your preferred way to enjoy whiskey I mean, I, ha I have many. I, I, I like drinks that are quite classic. So I love an old-fashioned. I've got so many memories with so many amazing people around that drink for various different reasons. An old-fashioned, but it doesn't traditionally have to be with a bourbon. It could be with, again, any whiskey that you like. And I think that's... That's amazing. Obviously, I'll always, I'll always have a bit of a love affair with McAllen as well. So, uh, my, my usual get out from, yeah. from being asked this question is, you know, my favourite whiskey will depend on my mood, on the time of day, on who I'm drinking it with, on what the weather is. A Manhattan would be one of my absolute favourite nice. ways to drink yeah. uh, sweet straight up with a cherry. But I think I'm going to go back to, you know, my highball serve. Yeah. So, tall glass, lots of ice good whiskey and a single malt scotch whiskey fresh ginger ale in the glass and you know what really makes it the best drink in the world is when you order that in front of somebody who's just been telling you that you can't drink your whiskey like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a brilliant one i think for me do you know i'm the same as you anna actually both of you i it depends on the time and yeah. place i think your preferred way of drinking whiskey really depends on mood location who you're with sometimes I love to just open a bottle and share it with friends yeah. and just to, just to sit around and share stories and pour each other whiskeys. And that's one of my favorite ways yeah. to drink it. But other times there's nothing like, you know, on a cold evening, curling up under a blanket with the cat. There's nothing better than curling up with a glass of whiskey, warm, cozy in the evening. But then at the same time, I love going out to a bar and I often travel a lot on my own as well. So sitting at the end of the bar with a whiskey yep. and inevitably somebody will ask you what you're drinking yep. or what whiskey are you on? And it's a great way to make connections yep. and to, to meet new people. It's a lovely way to do it. Absolutely. And, you know, chances are that, you know, even for you, there might well be a whiskey on the bar that you haven't tried before maybe i'm possibly. sure there is there's got to be something <laughs> <laughs> and there's your conversation with the bartender straight away what have you got that i haven't tried <laughs> david and anna it's been wonderful to have you in thank you so much thank you so much thank you very much indeed thank you. <laughs>
Well, that's the end of the show for today. I've loved hearing David and Anna's advice for how both existing dark spirits lovers and newcomers can gain the confidence to explore these wonderful drinks further. I'm certainly going away with some ideas for experimenting with different serves. My biggest takeaway, though, is that in our collective mission to share our passion for dark spirits with others, we need to remember that there's no right or wrong way of enjoying them. We need to make our own rules and leave those preconceived ideas at the door. We all have our own flavour preferences, so please feel confident to experiment and enjoy dark spirits in any way you choose. Responsibly, of course. Thanks to David Mars and Anna Sebastian for joining me on the podcast today. You can follow David on Instagram at Whiskey Thinking. And if you want to find out more about Anna and the work she does with Celebrate Her, you can visit her website at celebrateher.me. Thanks for joining me in the Still House today. Join us next week on the Still House podcast when I'll be joined by Lauren Anderson Smedley from Waitrose and Jamie Campbell from Brugal Rum to discuss how we can use dark spirits to enhance the time we take for ourselves, our me moments. In the show, we define what makes a me moment, why we should be making more time for ourselves and how a dark spirit serve can enhance our relaxation and enjoyment. It's an amazing episode, so make sure you don't miss it. Just a few quick notes before we go. Make sure to follow the show so you get automatically notified about new episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the show on Instagram at The Still House Podcast. If you would like to learn more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at Becky Paskin or at Our Whiskey. Data and knowledge shared in this podcast is built on insight from Edrington UK's 2025 Category Vision, a framework based on exclusive consumer research brought to you by the UK's leading dark spirits experts. This podcast is produced by Edrington UK in partnership with One Fine Play. The Edrington UK team has been led by Fiona Older with a project team of Catherine Barossa, DK Chung and Becca Flynn. From One Fine Play, James Bishop is the executive producer. Kajra Ferozia is the editor and producer. Connor Foley is the producer and researcher. Selena Christofides is the graphic designer. I've been your host, Becky Paskin, and this has been The Still House Podcast. For more information on responsible drinking, please visit drinkaware.co.uk. Mm-hmm.